Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You are listening to Linux in the Hampshire. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have turned into the very first episode of Linux in the Hampshire for 2020. This is episode number 319. And we're starting off the year with a deep dive episode. And this deep dive is going to be simple, quote unquote, homebrew <laughs> antennas for HF utilization. And we think we might wind up doing a series on antennas, maybe discussing different types, different applications, maybe bringing in some experts who know more than we do about antennas. Uh, but we thought we might discuss this topic, which might help somebody get into HF. Uh, on a budget and with only simple skills and tools needed. So we're going to talk about some of those types of antennas, uh, what's involved, and uh, some of the aspects of each. And to do that, we have the usual cast and crew. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. And as we were discussing before we got the show started, I have very limited experience with antennas, and Bill has more antennas than he can count. So we will probably be relying a lot on Bill for this episode, uh, who can talk about his trials and tribulations with uh, all of these different types of HF antennas, quote-unquote simple HF antennas. We'll get to some later on that are that are not quite so simple. Um, but all of these should be able to get you on HF if you have an HF radio, relatively simply, quickly, easily, and for relatively low cost. And we'll talk about some of the uh, advantages, disadvantages, radiation patterns, grounding, and you know how to build some of these and all that. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Bill, who's going to start with probably may- maybe the most well-known type of H- uh, HF antenna, the G5RV. Well, we're going to get to that in a second. I thought, okay, you're going I thought to we put in. how we put something up in front of everything else. Okay, put up something in front of everything. So I guess I guess we'll pose this question to you. So okay. what what is the antenna in your station? What is the antenna in my station? Yeah, uh, like the one we just discussed. <laughs> well, you, you know, tell me what you think the antenna is. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Uh, I got you. Well, uh, the antenna would probably be a combination of the feed line, the antenna itself, any relative uh, reflective surfaces, grounding uh, radials, and ground plane, which would be you know the entire antenna system. Absolutely. So, <laughs> <laughs> and and you went through a process where you found out that part of your antenna was broken, like you had to resolder some connectors and stuff like that. Well, no, that was actually the the end, the PL259 on the feed line. Which is part of the antenna. Well, well it is true. <laughs> yes, it is. Anything anything past the uh, SO239 on the back of the radio is part of the antenna. So That's right. And that's that's like the key to every antenna is the fact that it's everything. It's everything out the back of your rig. 
And I would even go as far to say, if you have an external antenna tuner, it's everything still outside of the rig. So it's that jumper to the tuner. It's the tuner to maybe, you know, I don't know if you've got a SWR meter or, you know, watt meter so you can see what's coming out the uh, tuner and all those connectors, all that coax. <laughs> and then finally, if it gets out to, you know, where the actual metal is, that's not coax, uh, you know, that's part of your antenna too. And then everything around it, obviously the earth, the ground, buildings flashing, you know, you name it. Um, we're not going to get into you know, all the physics and science behind every single design, because that's not really the purpose of it. The nice part about simple HF antennas is just about anything actually works. <laughs> works is, uh, you know, in, in air quotes, because you can get some signal out, but uh, sometimes you won't get much signal out. <laughs> well, you, can, you can get some signal out with no antenna at all. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You don't even need to plug into the back of that. You will definitely leak some signal out of the back of the SO239. I guarantee it. You can work a contact on your desk. <laughs> but yeah, we're going to kind of touch base on, um, you know, mainly like wire antennas or, you know, possibly even like uh, coax antennas. And uh, what I mean by coax antennas is, is basically where you, instead of wire, you're using coax for the wire. And uh, there are scientific reasons that people use that. I won't go into that either. You can look it up. <laughs> it has to do with the, the velocity factor of the wire and all the other stuff. It adds to efficiencies and stuff like that. Um, it, it gets into a little bit too technical stuff. But let's, uh, let's kind of just go over some of the antennas that you typically like right out of the door, let's say you just bought your UBIT X6 because you said, oh, Bill Bill said last year that I could buy this rig for 199 bucks and be on HF with a brand new rig. Yes, you can. <laughs> and it's a cool little rig. I've, I've almost hit the buy now button several times and I don't need one. <laughs> I, I was thinking about buying one and and playing with it until like hamvention and then just bring it to hamvention and make it a giveaway prize maybe i'll think about that <laughs> uh just because i kind of want to play with one but i don't really want to own own it long term because i i have too many hf rigs but um so uh i've been talking about probably for like the last year or so about my antenna perils here at the house and how uh i don't have anything hooked up and um, it kind of got me thinking that, you know, God, they're so easy to make antennas and, you know, I want to get into summits on the air and everything else. Let me just go back and let me just make an antenna, you know, even though I'm sitting here in my garage where I have, oh, I don't know, about 17 HF antennas <laughs> of some sort of fashion, commercial and non-commercial and parts and pieces all kind of laying around me, uh, not to mention the ones that are outside as well. Um, I do have commercial antennas. I have antennas that I've made and, uh, I, I just like making antennas. I've always, I've always kind of dabbled with it. Um, I think my first antenna I made, uh, uh, probably was either the G five RV. I made a homemade one or, uh, or possibly it was a dipole. I'm almost thinking it was a G five RV, uh, because it tunes up pretty well on 40 meters. And that was the, the first band I was kind of messing with on HF. So yeah, let's let's just kind of talk about uh, the magic all-band or multi-band antennas. The G5RV is a very popular one, and why is that? Well, a they're super easy to to make. Um, B 
you can buy them pretty cheaply. <laughs> Everybody makes a G5 RV from MFJ to DX Engineering and, and all these other companies sell a G5 RV or G5 RV variant. And basically all a G5 RV is, is a dipole with a, a, a specific length of 450 ohm uh, open wire uh, feed line attached to the center of it. So instead of having a ballon at the top, like a normal traditional dipole, you have this matching section of 450 ohm cable that's brought down to uh, an SO239 that you can then plug into coax. And the idea behind this is, is that it's tunable. So it's not necessarily resonant on any specific band. It's tunable and within tunable range <laughs> of most people's onboard tuners or, you know, possibly an external tuner. Um, the only problem with, with that specifically is the losses. So um, a lot of people have this idea that, uh, you know, you have an automatic antenna tuner. I just press the button and zip, 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 zip. Oh, it's matched. Okay. I can, I can tune and I can transmit and I can work the world. And, you know, in most cases that's, that's true. You know, you got your hundred watt rig, pumping out into the tuner, the tuner swallowing, you know, 75 Watts of it in the match. <laughs> and you got 25 Watts making it out through the coax, which has some loss as well. <laughs> and then going out to your G five RV, um, which may or may not be terribly efficient. Um, you can look up, uh, those efficiency effects, uh, figures online. Um, uh, but yeah, so, but it works, right? And it works, uh, you know, pretty well from like 80 meters. I mean, 80 meters, you're going to squeak a signal out. Uh, 40 meters, it gets better. Obviously, once you get closer to the actual, you know, half wavelength of, you know, what is the full length of a, of a, a G5 RV? Is it 53 feet across? <clears throat> I haven't even looked at G5 RVs in a while, so I have no it's idea. It's something like that. So yeah, so it's true. It's, it's about the size of a small 40 meter, uh, 40 meter dipole. So it's basically the size. I mean, you're going to, you can correct me. I'm probably wrong, but that's, that's basically <laughs> the size. It's probably like around 34 meters or whatever. <laughs> so, uh, 51 feet on a leg, 102 feet. Okay. Total. 102 feet. So, okay. So it's slightly larger. So it's probably really good for 60 meters. <laughs> Not quite long enough to be uh, an 80 meter dipole, which I believe has to be around 63 feet. But that's why you have that matching section there. The matching section allows it to electrically create that uh, that match uh, within a, a, a feasible range. So yeah, 80, 40, blah, 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 blah. Um, you can go up to 10. I think you can even probably tune six on it. I don't know if it would work great on six. Somebody probably has experience with that. Uh, but like any antenna that uh, has um, inefficiencies built into it, meaning it's not a resonant antenna, you're always going to have a little bit of loss. So you're always going to have performance losses on various bands. But the nice part is it's one antenna, you put it up and you're done. Now, um, not everybody has, you know, 102 feet across their yard <laughs> to put this antenna up. <clears throat> so, you know, you might want to you know make a dipole for a band. And like I was just saying, um, your half wave dipoles, um, you know, to get smaller than that, obviously you're not going to be building an 80 meter dipole unless you can bend it in a, in a configuration that is not straight. <laughs> um, yeah, you can, uh, you can build dipoles for every single band and you can bind them together 
uh, in what's called a fan dipole. And what a fan dipole is, is not every band. And there's a reason why <laughs> not every band is compatible with each other electrically. So you'll end up with, you know, um, har harmonics or resonances where you don't really want them. And the antenna won't tune right because it'll interfere with the actual tuning of the antenna. So if you look at a lot of the commercial antennas, and this is generally what I was doing originally when I got into making my own little antennas, I was looking at commercial antennas. Um, you can kind of get the idea is that, oh, they always put 80, 40, 20, 15 together. And like you don't see 17 generally mixed in with it unless it's a, a separate wire or maybe it's a little bit different kind of antenna. Um, you know, we can look at like a uh, 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 hex beam as an example of that, where it's it's slightly different because it, it's just a, it's a different kind of match that they're doing there. And you also have things like a cobweb antenna, which are like a folded dipole or not a folded, but, but a dipole that's closed in on itself to create an omnidirectional pattern. Those are pretty popular right now, the cobweb antennas. And those are just nothing but dipoles, you know, five different dipoles uh, for the 10, 15, 20, 12, and 17 meter bands all on one thing. And you can build those yourself. You don't need to buy one. <laughs> they're, they're not that complex. <laughs> they are just dipoles. That's the um, point. None of these are that complex. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. You go and buy one. Yeah, a cobweb cost you three hundred bucks because there's, you know, there's extra stuff in that antenna to to make it that expense. A, they put it all together so you don't have to. You know, you just you know screw down all the wires and <laughs> you know they have all the fittings and the boom you know, brackets and everything else. That stuff does get a little bit complicated, and that's why we're not really talking about beams and stuff like that here. But there's a several uh, several full blown schematics of building your own cobwebs that you can find online, and you can make all the pieces yourself, and and you can go to town on it, you know. Um, and it has a fancy uh, a fancy Juanella ballon as well that you make to uh, create the matching network for it. Um, but dipoles are, are very simple to make. You know, um, you can make what's called a random length dipole. And that's kind of like a G5 RV. <laughs> you have a length that becomes tunable that you bring down a, on open wire and you shove it into a, you know, four to one uh, ballon or a two to one ballon, uh, depending upon what you read. Um, and that gets us to another thing. Tools. We should probably talk about tools. Before you get to tools, tell talk a little bit about, and I don't mean like dive wholly into <laughs> electronic theory, but a lot of these sort of random wire antennas usually have like open wire or ladder line connected to like a four to one ballon for, you know, for multiband operation. So why are they yes. like that instead of just like a straight piece of coax? Well, it lowers the impedance and a coax doesn't do that because there's no matching network to coax. So like in a G5 RV, there is no matching network. Um, and that's why it's, it's not terribly great, but like the lengths are very specific on the G5 RV. It brings it down to a certain level <laughs> at which the impedance that your transceiver sees through the coax, and they do have a recommended length of coax that you attach to that antenna. You don't want to just stub it right off into your radio and hang your radio from <laughs> the bottom of your G5 RV. That probably won't work very well. Um, yeah, the, the balance are required to, to change that impedance. And when you see an antenna that doesn't have that, it's because the natural impedance characteristics of that antenna are, are close enough to where most tuners will tune it. 
And what is the, what is the, what is that range? So, I mean, your antenna coax is 50 ohms. So your the matching on the back of your rig is 50 ohms. So if you don't have a built-in tuner, that's exactly what it's expecting. It wants to see a 50 ohm load on the other side. Um, antennas can range, well, they can range anywhere, right? <laughs> yep. From one to 2000 yeah. or more. Yeah. So when you have like a four to one balance, so think of it like a, like a four to one balance, um, that transforms four times the impedance on one side down to one. So like if we have a 50 on one side, it's going to be transforming 200 on the other side. So it's going to reduce that down. Um, that's not like scientific. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, that's all that's doing. That, that transformer is reducing uh, the impedance so you can match better. Um, now, there are some cases where you're using a, like a four to one or two to one or whatever, and it's a perfect match because the antenna is designed to have that matching network. Um, antennas that would be like that are um, like super loops. Those are real popular antennas. I didn't put that on here because, you know, you need to have a big area for a big loop. <laughs> Generally, that's a lot of wire. Like, the, you know, uh, small loops run about 250, maybe 300 foot. Um, if you're really going to do a loop, I would say four to 500 feet would be minimum that you'd want to have the full loop to be. Um, I've heard people have really good success with those at any any height even though that kind of breaks a lot of rules. <laughs> but that's the thing we learn as amateurs with antennas is that, yeah, there are rules, but there's also your experience with the antenna in your environment. And that generally changes everything. Um, there, there are some good rules to follow, uh, especially when you're deploying dipoles and G5 RVs and stuff like that. Generally, for a, a horizontal-style antenna like a dipole, um, you want that to be at least, you know, a wavelength above the ground. So for any given frequency, uh, you know, half wavelength is probably acceptable, but if you can get it further, it's better. So as you bring that closer to the ground, you end up with uh, what's called the near vertical, uh, what, invis, <laughs> near vertical incident, whatever, skywave, sky yeah, skywave antenna. So basically where you basically burn a hole in the sky right above your house <laughs> <laughs> and the signal falls right down. Those are great for working in-state contacts uh, on the low bands typically is what you see that used on like 40 and 80. You know, you put a dipole, you know, good, that's always good for a hamstick dipole. It's just you have it just mounted like, a, you know, five, 10 feet up, you know, above the ground and just have it just radiating most of a signal up because you kind of bend that that signal uh straight up <laughs> you know huge takeoff angle you don't have a lot of stuff coming off the ends because it's all being swallowed by earth so um but yeah you, you definitely want the antenna to be up high the g7 fuk which one is that is that the uh is that kind of like the nfeds up <clears throat> no it's a lot like a g5 rv actually oh yeah <clears throat> there are multiple variants that's why i said there's there's many variants of the G5 RV. Well, Paul said he's going to build a G7 FEK. Apparently, it's a G5 RV that's smaller. It can do 80 through 10, apparently, in a size oh. uh, yes. 66 feet long and 24 feet high. 46 yeah. feet long, 24 feet high. Yeah. So this is the G5 RV that's sort of like off-center fed. 
So this this creates a an oddity in the electrical circuit where you don't have a balanced circuit. And that that's also what makes an off-center fed dipole kind of kind of popular for multi-bandedness because it 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 does some weird stuff electrically. <laughs> right. But the thing about this is they're all simple in the sense that it just requires some wire, some ladder lines, some insulators and yeah. a connector. And, and the, the G7FEK is even better because it requires less wire. <laughs> and I believe it's only a 17-foot matching section of 450 ohm. Or is it 24-foot? I can't read that. 24-foot, uh, yeah, 24-foot. Yep. So, yeah. So, And I think I've actually built that one before. I did not like that one myself. Um, but your mileage may vary. Uh, you know, my, my conditions here at my house are, are different than your conditions. Um, but, yeah, that's the nice part about antennas. And... Um, Oh yeah, I wanted to get back to tools. So you, we're talking about all these homages and, and impedances and, and resonance and stuff like that. If, if you're going to buy one expensive tool, <laughs> or maybe even not that expensive anymore with some of the, the ones you can find, get an antenna analyzer. If you're going to build any antenna, and I would say even if you're going to buy an antenna and put it up yourself, buy an analyzer of some sort. <laughs> <laughs> i agree and uh, <laughs> that's how i found out about my bad coax yeah yeah and that's also where like uh you know getting a dummy load if you happen to have one of those even a small dummy load like a you know cheapy 10 watt dummy load you don't need to you know put your whole rig into it you, you have that to actually test all your coaxes you put the dummy load on one end and then you run your analyzer on the other end and it should be flat uh, across that coax and when it's not flat that's when you know you have a problem and of course now they have uh, all these fancier uh, ones that it can actually almost do a you know a tdr or whatever on the actual cable and tell you where you're you know how how long the cable is before there's a problem um and i mean you don't really need that generally if you have a coax problem it's going to be in the connector <laughs> it's definitely going to be in the connector um <clears throat> Yeah, and uh, just like uh, Don said, yeah, doubts for not having an analyzer makes it really hard to make an antenna. You know, you, you can look at these books, and uh, I mentioned several books in the bottom. You know, the big one, of course, being the uh, the AWR handbook that kind of gives you all the theory you need for everything, um, or the the AWRL antenna book, which is the Bible of books <laughs> for <laughs> antenna building. You can build everything exactly as they have measured there, and it won't work. And you'll be like, oh, what the heck? <laughs> and that's because every environment and every deployment is going to be slightly different. So you might only need, you know, 32 and a half feet on your 40 meter, you know, vertical at your house because of conditions and ground plane and everything else. Or you might need 34 feet. You know, the, there's no, there's no set length. There's a range and kind of like a, you know, just put every measurement has an ish on the end. <laughs> you know, it's 33 and a half foot ish, you know, you know, especially when you're trying to tweak it down to where, to where you want it for a, for a, a resonant antenna. And that's where it's really important is the resonance. Um, when you get to antennas like the G5 RV and the G7 FEK and, and one we're going to talk about too, like I have is an NFIT half wave. Um, you know, throwing an antenna analyzer on that is not, terribly useful directly just because uh the antenna is kind of squirrely uh on its own but you can detect uh oddities as well on the uh on the antenna itself 
uh, especially if you see your meter kind of doing weird stuff like real quick <laughs> meaning you probably have an electrical connection that's not right especially in the g5 rv up there where you connect into your your elements your wire elements uh, those solders uh, you know do go bad or can go bad or can be done wrong <laughs> or done poorly so that's always good to check those as well but I yeah did, the, i did put in the notes there that uh, the antenna analyzer that i just got uh courtesy of tag <laughs> you can buy those for like 80 bucks yeah and, and that's and the uh, mr300 the mr300 just look just google for mr300 um antenna analyzer you can find them all over the place for about 80 bucks and it will analyze uh anything from 160 meters up to six meters so yeah it's a well worth investment and they used to be real expensive well i used to think they were expensive (laughs) (laughs) uh you know but they have more expensive ones even today i think i paid like I i don't know almost 300 bucks for mine years and years and years ago and i thought it was the most expensive purchase i've ever made and um yeah, I still have it to this day. <laughs> is that the one you were tuning up that Ham mentioned your uh, your new antenna with? Is that what you're still using? Yeah, yeah, same one. Yeah, yep, I mean, very cool. I've had it for years. MFJ, mighty fine junk, you know, whatever. <laughs> you might think it's junk, but not everything they have is bad. <laughs> uh, you know, I've had mine for 20 some odd years. So, uh, and it's, yeah, it's gone through lots of batteries over the years, but it has never died and has never failed. <laughs> so, uh, I, yeah, it's one of my favorite products from them. Um, so yeah, so you definitely want to have that, especially when you're cutting dipoles and, um, you know, when you get into these, uh, like the G5 RV and the G7 FEK and stuff like that, you know, there's probably a little leeway in those distances. A lot of that is just the ratio of the wire on one side to the ratio of the wire on the other side. And that's the consistent part that you need to have. And that would be, you know, the same thing with the off center fed dipole, which is basically the same thing. It's a dipole. Instead of being fed directly in the middle, you slide it over. So about, you know, two thirds or, you know, slightly more are on one side. And then you have a, a shorter section on the other. And it creates the, uh, the, the, the happiness to the, uh, to the tuner to go ahead and use that and burn your signal up. So Doesn't that m- sort of create a, like a directionality in the radiation pattern though? Yeah. Like- yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so the longer absolutely. the longer end is going to be like the driven element, and you will have much more propagation in that direction than you will in the stub direction. Right. So you'll have a little bit fatter lobe. So instead of like a dipole, which has you know two big lobes off the ends, um, you'll only have you know you'll have a larger lobe and a smaller lobe for sure. It's definitely a directional antenna. That's what I experienced when I put mine up because I had it facing uh, south uh, south. Uh, west and it's definitely here in california without a problem <laughs> but that was about it <laughs> so it was a great antenna for the california cuso party from here um but yeah i did not have much luck with it otherwise so another one that's really popular right now is the one i'm using which is not saying that you have to use it but it works and it's uh it's also multi-banded meaning the tuner takes it in the butt <laughs> uh but i i you know i do have to say i've had a little success that i put it up uh when did i put it up like uh right before christmas i think i had it yeah like two two weeks ago something like yeah so two two weeks ago and i mean i've done like 600 contacts on it so it's not bad (laughs) (laughs) and all it is is uh is a nine to one un un so instead of a balanced unbalanced 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 um no counterpoise it has a 53 foot lead coming out of it 
because that's an optimal size for multi-bandedness quote air quotes again <laughs> you know electrically presents itself happily to most tuners <laughs> and and in theory i should be able to run 160 on it i i know i was running 160 on it before but like it's really inefficient on 160 um even though they say it matches uh you know 1.6 to 1 naturally um i i my experience is that's not necessarily true but um but yeah it, it works great you just have to have uh, a specific length of coax on the end because the coax becomes the counterpoise to the antenna and uh that's kind of important to know because uh you kind of want that part of the rf to not be in your shack <laughs> if you're going to run power uh of anything significant if you're running uh if you're running uh qrp levels 10 watts and below uh you shouldn't have to worry about anything uh it should tune up really fine it should work really fine uh this is very popular antenna for people doing summits on the air because yeah it's it'll tune up it'll work and when you're at five watts if you're you know if you're losing you know 50 percent of your signal through the match i mean you're still getting two and a half watts on cw yeah that's still perfectly workable <laughs> did you actually <laughs> say what the antenna was i don't know that you did yeah it's an nfed halfway oh okay I, yeah you said that like way long ago and i think <laughs> yeah yeah i was explaining how uh what the pieces and components were okay gotcha so yeah, it's a 53. Well, it can be any random length of wire that uh, gets you the band you want. There is a, a a specific list online that you can find for that specific antenna, and I actually have it on a tab here. Um, the shortest length is 24 and a half feet, and that'll probably give you 40 meters and up, with you know exceptions, of course. <laughs> um, I know. Uh, I'm pretty certain. Uh, pretty certain that that's the common length for most sodas because they're going to be using the upper bands anyway, and the only band that has degraded performance is 17 in that configuration. Um, which it's a quiet band anyway, 17 meters. So generally, if you're losing a bit, it's not going to make that big a difference. My lighter is out of juice. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll set down my cigar. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's a good antenna. It's, it's kind of, uh, you can do different lengths. Uh, 24 and a half feet, like I said, is a good soda one for most bands. 53 foot is what I'm using. It's supposed to be for all bands. Um, the optimal one they say is, uh, the 124, 124.5 feet, um, which I've been contemplating, but I'm not going to do it. Um, so yeah, but it's cheap. Like literally I have, well, I bought a fiberglass pole because I want to do soda uh off of ebay <laughs> so i have this fishing pole that i think i ebayed for uh, i'm gonna say you know 15 dollars, and i bought a 250 foot roll of 26 awg wire from amazon for like eight dollars and obviously i can make a few different antenna length wires out of that roll so obviously it doesn't need to be terribly thick wire because 26 no yeah I have, <laughs> yeah i have mine rolled up on uh kite hangers so like kite kite string yeah i have that's why i roll it up on so i wanted a flexible wire and i'm not going to buy expensive wire if it, if it breaks or whatever i, I have plenty of extra <laughs> and plenty extra where that came from so yeah it's really uh, really inexpensive the most expensive piece is the ballon itself which you can make yourself 
Um, and I've seen several, uh, like if you go on eBay and you can search for nine to one un uns, uh, you can find several different styles. Uh, I do have a commercial Balan. I have a Balan Designs nine nine to one, um, just because I kind of wanted one that was a little bit bulletproof and had a little bit of a track record as well. But I know there's a lot of guys running little tiny ones from um, from Soda, um, the actual Soda site, whatever that's called, um, where they sell stuff. <laughs> so you can buy a fancy tiny 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 one. Um, but I'll, I'll stick with my, my larger one. It's not much heavier. And then let's go to, uh, one more that you can, you can build this yourself. Wait, wait, wait. I have a question about the, uh, infant half wave. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming that the entire antenna is your coax, your ballon and the wire. (laughs) Yes. Um, so how do you connect them together? So the coax goes from the, the rig to the ballon or the, well, it's still a ballon. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, it's still it's an un un but it actually has a coax connector on one end and uh you attach the one wire out and it does actually have a counterpoise wire you do not necessarily have to use that in the design again because the the coax becomes part of that antenna and it is the counterpoise in most cases um there are configurations where you can use a a, a true counterpoise and then you're kind of to um uh, you're kind of like a, a well, in, at least in the 53 foot uh, style, or possibly the 42 foot. You guys remember the 42 foot antennas you used to buy, and then just have a tuner at the bottom. Probably don't remember that, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that. Yeah, so you can buy. I think MFJ has them, and everybody else. They were kind of like the thing for a while, and that's basically all it is. It's basically it's it's just a vertical of a specific length. Hey, magic numbers: 53 foot and 42. Foot. <laughs> And you put a matching network right on the right on the antenna itself. You put your tuner, your auto tuner, or whatever, actually mounted to the antenna uh, itself. So you're only feeding coax directly out there, and then you allow all that RF to kind of just <coughs> get swallowed out there. Now, in that case, you would actually have a full counterpoise field, a full radial field, um, but essentially same kind of setup. Um, but yeah, so that's the only parts to it: wire, an un un coax the coax has to be at least 25 foot um in some cases a little bit longer otherwise you get the rf back through the coax you'd get a lot of rf through now as you use the shorter wire lengths you can shorten up your coax and that's why a lot of the soda guys will use the the 24 foot or the 29 foot and they'll use like a 12 foot coax so it'll be it'll be short and they can shorten everything up after that now again you're running trp you're never going to, you know, the, the RF's not going to zap you or anything else like that. So, um, yeah, you'll be fine. <laughs> but it does work really well. So another antenna you can build is the uh, the Maglub. And these are all over the place. There's a, a billion commercial ones. These ones are very popular to build with coax, um, specifically a little bit heftier coax so it stays in that rounded shape. And the only trick with Maglubs is really having that uh, that um, uh, capacitor, the variable capacitor, at the bottom that won't arc over with uh, wattage. <laughs> <laughs> you probably heard of commercial ones like the Alex Loop, which are good up to you know ten you know ten or twenty watts. Yeah, I think ten watts or twenty watts, right around there. Um, there's a reason for that. It's that really small designed little capacitor network. Uh, if you put more wattage in there, it's going to arc across those uh, blades 
and you'll have a nice little melted mess. Um, they do make ones and you can make ones <laughs> out of, uh, you know, copper tubing. I've seen, uh, <coughs> excuse me, plans for, uh, using Coke cans as a capacitor, uh, seeing plans, uh, using, uh, you know, building your own little trombone capacitor. So instead of having more like a, you know, those butterfly capacitors you're used to seeing in your tuners and stuff like that, um, you know, actually, you know, having a trombone. So imagine like a trombone slide sliding inside one, you know, copper tube sliding inside of another one. And that will create, uh, your variable capacitor that you need to tune the circuit, um, to uh, make it tunable for whatever frequency you want. Uh, mag loops generally are n very high Q, meaning like they have one specific combination of frequency and, and capacitance that works. Nothing else will. <laughs> a lot of those uh, have a funny tuning thing. So basically you just, you tune for noise, meaning you spin the little capacitor around until you hear your noise floor come up. And then you can actually start tuning it for real. And you'll see uh, several of these, uh, you know, at least the commercial ones have like a, a various gimmicks to get your tuning easier, like a light that lights up <laughs> as it becomes resonant. Um, you know, strangely enough, because there's a lot of uh, uh, EMF coming off the thing, it will light stuff up. <laughs> it's not a happy antenna to hold onto while you're tuning it, uh, especially if you do any power because of the high voltages that come off there. And if you want to experiment with uh, mag loops, uh, there are uh, you can Google a, a mag loop, and I forget the guy's uh, guy's name, but uh, he has a you know uh, there's a spreadsheet out there to do calculations based upon your wire size or your tubing size, and then your loop size and and everything else. It's it's actually really kind of interesting. The the thing with the mag loops that I kind of ran into because I was looking at it for more of a portable thing, and the tuning is kind of pain in the butt and the weight they they are a little bit heavier because you're carrying around some extra stuff um i think even the small like the commercial version of the alex loop still comes in at like three and a half pounds which is pretty significant for an antenna i think my antenna is probably less than a pound <laughs> um especially if you're hiking with it it uh you know every every pound counts i mean that's you know, it's half a half your uh, water bottle of uh, weight and an antenna, and you can carry the water instead, and it'll go further for you. So, um, mag loops are kind of more of a complex design. They are all banded or multi-banded at least, uh, and they are you know they are a viable antenna. Literally, you could you could put one together with some wire around some uh, PVC pipe, make your little loop, um, make your little matching network which is uh you know real simple to make there's three three specific designs that work um and obviously go with the simplest one <laughs> and uh, you know you know you probably have an old manual tuner that you can steal one of those little capacitors out of just for testing purposes it's not not quite right um most people end up designing mag loops for permanent installations use fancy uh those high-end uh uh, uh, tube style. What the heck you call those things? Uh, variable air. No, what the heck is it? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to let you hang here. So <laughs> yeah, you're going to kill me. Huh? Let's see. Capacitor, high voltage, <laughs> ceramic, <laughs> no, not ceramic. 
Uh, uh, variable. That's right. One. High voltage variable. Variable. High voltage variable capacitors. So yeah, that's what you're looking for. High high voltage variable capacitor. Yeah, vacuum cap. So yeah, kind of looks like a tube almost. <laughs> um, they're kind of a spendy, but like if you get into crazy design, you're no longer cheap. That's not a simple antenna, but uh, it's it's kind of fun and interesting to design. I like just kind of making stuff. So um, I've always dreamed of buying one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, vacuum. Um, okay, so that's all the multi-band antennas that are super simple, but, but there are many more. There are there are tons more. And in fact, you can take any antenna and make it multi-banded by shoving a tuner on it <laughs> and just uh, dealing with the losses. Uh, so, yeah, you know, your mileage may vary with anything specifically. So let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, um, single-band antennas because uh, those are a little bit easier. Because you're only going to build it for one. And as they say, and whoever said this, you know, please take credit, whatever. But like the best amplifier you can buy for your system is a really good resonant antenna. (laughs) (laughs) Because that will give you all the efficiencies that you need to get, you know, once your signal gets out past the coax and your matching network and everything else in your house and gets out to the actual antenna that's exposed you know, that efficiency out there and that resonance out there allows, you know, most of the signal to escape <laughs> the wire and get into, uh, get into the air and do all the bouncing around <clears throat> the stratosphere like we like so we can work the DX and, and everything else. So yeah, the resonant antennas are, are the bomb and that's what you want to go with. If you can, if you have extra space or maybe you only work one band, I don't know, some people like, you know, work two different bands and that's it you know maybe they work 17 and 40 you know that's you know that's all they do you know instead of having a multi-band antenna you might as well make a dedicated 17 meter antenna those are small and a dedicated 40 meter antenna not so small but you can get a nice uh nice efficient signal out and it, it makes all the difference in the world so obviously uh dipole horizontal works great um and uh we know that dipoles can be put in all kinds of uh i can't spell vertical oh you fix that <laughs> there was an extra eye there for a second yep. <laughs> as a vertical <laughs> dipoles can be in a vertical format as well so you can take a dipole and stand it up on its end and you have a vertical dipole well isn't a vertical antenna technically a dipole because the the grounding part of it or the ground plane is the the other side of the dipole well essentially it's the same length as like a half wave vertical is the same or quarter wave vertical, which is technically a half wave antenna <laughs> uh, because the other half is the ground, <clears throat> the half of the court, whatever, you know, quarter of the half, whatever, yeah. half of the half, <laughs> half of the half. Uh, uh, yeah. So, you know, essentially a vertical is a dipole that is basically, you know, the feed point sitting at the ground, your one element sticking, sticking straight up. And then you have your radio field to, uh, to help get all that signal that you've thrown at the ground now to uh, help push your signal. <laughs> give you give you a nice takeoff pattern and everything else <clears throat> so uh yeah very similar however a dipole vertical dipoles are interesting because they can be shortened quite well and there have been many commercial designs uh where they've kind of made really cool antennas and uh the ones i'm thinking of were like the the t-frame and h-frame antennas where you actually have uh you know uh you know 
uh, a vertical dipole where you have the one element is going up and then you have a crossbar at the top and down below the feed point you have you know your vertical element again and a crossbar at the bottom and uh transworld antennas was a commercial vendor of the style antenna um i believe force 12 you made some uh some h-frame antennas as well uh they were quite popular and uh they've made some even multi-banded ones where basically uh they use the same h-frame but they had a matching network uh as the centerpiece or the you know whatever you know, the center where your feed point is uh to basically create the matching for all the uh all the bands and you could either manually switch it uh or they had like remote uh uh, remote relays that you could switch it as well. Um, you could build those. I actually built an H frame antenna sort of as, as like a proof of concept <laughs> to see if I could actually build one. And, um, I built it out of uh copper pipe, you know, stuff you buy at home Depot or uh, Lowe's and, uh, you know, normally solder to, uh, <laughs> for your hot water in your house. Um, so I built a little H frame, took a piece of, uh, uh, PVC to kind of give it stability and stick it up off the ground. And, uh, I made it for 10 meters. And the first contact I worked on it was, uh, Australia from my backyard here in Montana. So, uh, of course it was when the bands were a little bit better, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And I actually, uh, had a, had a decent conversation with the guy and he gave me a five and seven, I believe five, 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 seven, somewhere around there. So not too bad, not too shabby for an antenna, just kind of thrown together on a whim just cause I thought they looked really cool. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, just with, uh, I think there was maybe, you know, maybe, maybe 20 bucks in tubing or something like that. And uh, I still have the antenna. It's been taken over by the uh, hops growing in the back of my yard because I kind of threw it over on the side. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it worked. And uh, you could do all kinds of uh, interesting hats and symmetrical hats on the top and bottom of a vertical, of a, of a dipole, a vertical dipole, or even a horizontal dipole to uh, shorten it up. Um, in some cases, uh, with a little bit of uh, uh, pattern change because obviously you're... Uh, you're 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 kind of messing with that pattern when you when you do that. You also see uh, you can make a vertical dipole and put the hat somewhere in the middle to kind of really uh, kind of change the dynamics of that uh, of the element. So um, yeah, there are lots of different ways you can do that. Dipoles are very very creative. Um, obviously, they're they're fairly bulletproof. Uh, most most antennas are are designed on the half wave dipole. You know, including a lot of uh, a lot of uh, um, beams and stuff like that are using either a dipole or folded dipole as the driven element. And you see that in a lot of designs because uh, why? Well, electrically, they match great. You don't need a <laughs> fancy matching network. You don't have to deal with losses of a matching network. Um, yeah, they, they're just, it's a, it's a rock solid design. So yeah, dipole works great. Um, the places I think that dipoles start to not work great is when you can't get them up high enough for the band. And, you know, I, my general rule of thumb is dipoles are great up to about, yeah, I kind of always want to say 20 meters, maybe 30 meters. And then after that, I personally switch to a vertical just because I can't get, I can't get them up high enough 
to get a decent pattern with them, meaning, you know, less DX, you know, maybe not as many hops as you'd like to see, uh, where a vertical gives you a, a better takeoff angle at those, uh, lower frequencies, uh, especially on 40 and 80 meters. They really like being, uh, on verticals. They are very noisy, so they're very susceptible to noise where dipoles, not quite as noisy. The verticals definitely pick up noise. <laughs> um, and you can read why <laughs> that'll be in your, your handbook. they will tell you all about that, <laughs> especially if you live in an urban area as uh, most, uh, most uh, household electrical noises of the vertical nature. And uh, that's where, why those tend to pick up more noise in general. Um, also you have uh, for single band antennas, you also have an N fed half wave. Now this would be the style that doesn't have a nine to one on it. This is actually specifically matched and length for a specific frequency. And sometimes these do still have a coax size limitation, meaning that you do need to put a certain length of coax on it. Um, these are all, you know, you can build them. Obviously there's commercial designs that you can base your designs off of. Uh, some of those have fancy matching networks inside kind of hidden. I'm thinking like uh, the NFEDS antenna and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, I would definitely look at some designs uh, in the reference material if you want to build one yourself. Uh, another easy antenna, my neighbor has uh, this down the street and he loves it, is a, is a Delta Loop antenna. He has a Delta Loop on uh, 20 meters. And this is a, a fairly easy antenna to deploy, even in a little city lot. He has his kind of uh, with two fishing poles <laughs> holding up the two ends, and he has the feed point on the bottom. And uh, it works great. I mean, he has he has pretty good luck with that antenna. And uh, I was I was thinking of copying that as well for here. Um, but I'd really like a Delta loop, maybe on 30. <laughs> so that's probably going to be my thing. Uh, quad loop is another, uh, another antenna. This is kind of like, uh, a super loop as well. Uh, the quad loop can be uh, used for a single band. So think of it like a cubicle quad antenna, although we don't see too many HF antennas that way. I mean, I think you can probably still find, is it Cubex or somebody still makes an HF uh, cubicle quad antenna? It takes a lot of space for that uh, for that wire. Uh, but the nice part about a quad loop is that uh, it does match uh, directly to 50 ohm. So it doesn't need any matching network on there generally. Uh, so that is a good antenna to use. I used to like building the cubicle quads for uh, for two meters and uh very easy to to make up and design and obviously they scale out electrically to uh <clears throat> to uh to any any band that you can fit <laughs> and uh the last one i have on here even though it's kind of a crazy one as russ said is the sturba curtain <laughs> if you happen to have lots of 450 ohm <laughs> okay, uh line around uh, it is a doable antenna. Um, I've actually, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely pricey. Yeah. Uh, it is a doable antenna. <clears throat> it's, uh, it's easy to build. It's not very complex. It's, uh, it just takes some space. Um, I've heard of some people using the, the stir of a curtain with a longer feed line as a matching network. And uh, imagine, if you will, uh, if you take a curtain, so this looks similar to a curtain. So imagine, you know, whatever 
what what does it look like to you? I'm trying to think. It looks a little bit like a horizontal ladder. Um, yeah, yeah. So like a ladder or like a window, like a front window where you have like multiple panes of glass in it or whatever. So imagine that on one end, and like a hundred foot of four hundred fifty ohm on the other end, and like that's your matching network. <laughs> <laughs> and uh that would be like a big capacitance hat for that matching network um so that's why that could possibly work in a multi-band environment but i put that here as a single band because it really is designed as a single band antenna anything else would be uh you know uh, skunk works or you know, <laughs> you know, experimentation fun stuff um you know there's always these stories of these big fish <laughs> in our hobby where it's like oh yeah i had a i had a dipole laying on my fence and you know in the middle of uh montana and i worked uh antarctica on 500 milliwatts <laughs> you know there are always going to be those those examples and especially when we get into really good band conditions again uh yeah you'll 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 fear everything i have a curtain <laughs> i have what well, you have a wire wire curtain hanger and i loaded it up on 160 <laughs> <laughs> and i worked uh you know all of europe <laughs> i worked all germany contest and uh I, I won the contest on a coat hanger yeah probably won't happen but like there are these stories in the hobby that you hear that these people have done amazing things off of nothing and uh it always kind of drives everybody crazy because yeah i kind of like to be able to do something amazing with nothing <laughs> People, we've talked about people who've loaded up their cattle fence, who've uh, created sort of like uh, half wave. I don't know what you'd call them, sort of like half wave um, loop, or um, kind of like kind of like delta loops out of uh, like lawn chair parts. And oh yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. you know, depending <laughs> if it's on like the... if it's metal and can resonate at all, someone's tried to build yeah. an antenna out of it. So <laughs> yeah, if it's metal, obviously you could probably load it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be terribly efficient i mean if you look at commercial antenna design and you know compare that to you know wired antennas like like we've kind of been talking about tonight um wire antennas because of the size of the wire uh they're fairly narrow banded uh you know we say the other ones the all bands or multi bands are flexible because of the matching network and that's true because you can match it but even like a dipole um when you get to the longer frequencies and stuff like that, you know, like, you know, 80 meters is a great example because 80 meters is really hard to cover with one antenna because you go from 3.5 megahertz all the way up to 3. Point, you know, all the way up to four, right? You know, 3.999, <clears throat> or whatever. Well, it's lower sideband, right? So you can go up to four, right? <laughs> well, it's kind of like with me because uh, I, you know, my antenna is technically 80 through 10 and it you know if you have the right thing you could tune it up on 160 meters but yeah the thing is i i probably would be resonant at a, you know at about 0.1 kilohertz on 160 meters with an antenna you know because that'd be the only place in the frequency band that i'd be able to yeah to resonate on yeah and even like this vertical i have a, a voyager dx vertical here and it technically has 160 on it um, but it's like, I think it's like 12 and a half kilohertz or something like that. So literally you pick one frequency and that's pretty much where it's going to be resonant and the rest of it's going to be pretty much crap. <laughs> what but about, uh, don't you have to have like a big grounding network for that? No, oh. no, actually there's only one counterpoise on this particular antenna because it's a vertical dipole oh. with a, with a big capacitance hat. 
So, and it's not very short. It's uh, I think it's a total yeah. fifty feet. But we're talking about HF stuff you can build yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can build it it's right up there on my wall. <laughs> not, not assemble something somebody already built. <laughs> right. Right. But you'll notice with like uh, to get broad bandedness out of antennas to kind of stretch the antenna, you'll notice like when you change the type of uh, material you make your antenna with, um, that 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 will change as well. So it has a little bit to do with the size of the wire. Um, I used to play around with uh, making dipoles with tubing for some part of it and then finishing off with wire for the ends or trying to go wire to tubes. <laughs> and you will end up with uh, interesting results bandwidth wise uh, and tuning wise. And you'll, you'll notice like a lot of, I mean, you know, when you buy a, besides a hex beam, <laughs> When you buy a beam, they there are there's a varied amount of sizes of tubing that they're using to create resonance on those frequencies, and you can do those same kind of crazy things with your antennas as well by mixing, you know, aluminum or copper tubing. And just like I built my vertical uh, vertical um, dipole uh, with copper tubing, you can do that, and um, you'll, I mean. You'll be surprised that yeah that they'll they will work. It becomes a little harder to shorten and lengthen because you got to get the tubing cutter and stuff like that. But you do end up with uh, you know a little bit more bandwidth and stuff like that as you actually have that antenna uh, that that's more of a tunable bandwidth for a single band antenna. Um, so yeah, experiment with different materials. Uh, you know, I, I always buy. I still have tons of it. I have like bell wire here at the house. Kind of experiment with you know, kind of throwaway antennas and stuff like that because bell wire, you know, who's, who's wiring up their house with bell wire anymore. Everybody's cat five, right? <laughs> you can buy bell wire and you have a, you know, eight, 18 gauge and, you know, wires inside of it and, uh, you know, just strip it out and then you can kind of make an antenna and kind of spec your design on that and make that your test one. And then when you want to build it, you know, go ahead and buy the expensive, you know, more expensive, you know, 14 gauge or, you know, uh, 12 gauge wire or whatever, whatever braided wire you want to use on it. And, uh, uh, you will, again, it'll, it'll, it'll act a little differently when it's on different wire and it'll need to be a different length too. So everything is, uh, everything is slightly flexible, but that's the nice part about, um, being able to make your own antennas is that, you know, you kind of play around. Oh, you made a bad one, throw it away, right? <laughs> or just take it apart, and make another one out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's just I, I've always I've always had fun with it, and I've have lots of failure antennas that uh, I've been able to uh, you know cut cut the wire and use it for something else. Oh, well, this will be now a six meter antenna because I only have enough wire to make six meter antenna. Um, we actually uh, a fun project that I did with my. Uh, my oldest son for a science fair project is we made a fractal uh, uh, cubicle quad antenna. So basically using a fractal design for the element pattern to basically create a smaller element, physically smaller element, same electrical length. Um, We actually (laughs) took some bell wire and folded it around nails that we, uh, (laughs) we built this little fractal design with and uh, it actually worked and tuned up and, uh, showed gain uh directivity and everything else and i mean you can even do that with an hf antenna you can use a fractal design if you have something to support it obviously uh 
uh, you don't want, you're not going to be doing a, a 160 meter antenna that way without having some kind of you know substantial support <laughs> for shortening up these legs of the elements um but yeah it works and um so let me just re, re uh, reiterate the books uh that i suggest um an arl handbook not that i like the arl i am a life member but uh i have i mean this is the one i keep in my shack it's a 1987 version and the nice part about this is is like physics doesn't change very much <laughs> so all this stuff is good for a long time so if you're at a ham fest and you don't happen to have a handbook i i bet you'll be able to find one that is like you know maybe 10 years old or whatever because some people collect these books or they always want to have the latest greatest book and it always has a really nice section on antenna design and electrics theory and stuff like that um and i'm not going to say that i've read the whole thing because i haven't but i've definitely peered through the pages at the antenna designs and the radio design stuff when i was trying to fix my old uh, heath kit and everything else and then uh another one that i like a lot more once you get into doing a lot of your own antennas is the uh, the actual antenna book from the WRL, and uh this one has a lot more antenna designs and a lot more theory and <laughs> a lot more uh uh, information on uh, like construction materials and stuff like that and getting to the down and deep and dirty of you know uh, velocity factors of various wire types and and everything else and then uh i can't remember when i got this book i'm almost thinking i won this book on something and this is the, the even more wire antenna classics and th this is kind of another just kind of uh, additional designs <coughs> that you can do um there's probably you know, obviously this is uh, volume three. So obviously there's two other volumes in front of this and probably more behind it. And I've seen like a uh, antenna book for, you know, yards and stuff like that. But if you don't even want to buy any books, you can go on Google and just search up uh, LB Civic, uh, W4RNL, which is a silent, silent key. Um, but he has a ton of material and experimentation on antennas. A lot of commercial antennas are based on, uh, you know, the work he has done over the years. And there's a ton of information you can find online about making antennas and all the information that you'll never, ever be able to consume, <laughs> <laughs> absorb or take in. But is a great reference on experiments that, you know, even failed experiments. You know, this worked, this didn't work. When I did this, I finally got it to do this kind of thing um a lot of information um yeah i mean antennas are fun i i i definitely i definitely like making antennas uh but i also like buying antennas <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh i like buying used antennas i i actually i mean my butternut out back is an hf9v uh i bought it used from a ham for 200 bucks and it lasted until i finally burned up the little uh ceramic doorknob capacitors <laughs> I could order those and fix it, but I have this nice Voyager DX um, that I got for free, believe it or not, uh, that someone just wanted to try some other antenna and he wanted this to go somewhere where it actually be used. And I haven't used it yet, but I want to use it. So it's going to go up this year because uh, the butternut is halfway down already. So uh, that's going to be coming down. And uh, yeah, hamsticks. Oh, yeah. I didn't mention the, the hamstick thing. Well, the octopus. So, like, this is like the new fan dangled thing 
all band multi-band dipole is people putting all their di- all their uh, hamsticks together in an octopus design and of course they're selling the the octopus thing separately i don't know how much it is it's probably like 100 bucks or 200 bucks or something like that which is crazy because you can build one yourself out of electrical parts <laughs> if you happen to have a lot of hamsticks like if you always buy your hamsticks in pairs because you, you know, want them to have a friend on the same band uh you know you can build an antenna a multi-band antenna like a fan dipole or like an octopus uh with your hamsticks and uh and just buy some of those uh uh the studs for uh making the um uh, for the antennas, for the antenna wire, stuff like that. And all you have to do is solder up some wires to do some connections, do your grounds on one side and your hots on the other, and you're off to the races. And you can buy the plastic uh, outside, uh, you know, the gray PVC outdoor electrical boxes. And uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Steve, they'll get lonely. <laughs> yes, I always buy my hamsticks in pairs. Um, so, um, and of course, uh, you just did that too, didn't you? I, I did, but for six meters. Six meters. So yeah, he he bought a pair of six because you know my my six meter hamstick is is lonely. It only is one. <laughs> <laughs> it's one hundred and twenty bucks for the MFJ uh, octopus core thing. If you okay. screw your hamsticks to it. Yeah. So if you already have the hamsticks and you don't want to build your own, but you can build your own. They're not terribly hard. Um, you can probably do it for I would say at least a quarter of the cost. Yeah. <clears throat> easy um but yeah yeah so that's another option uh, for your multi-band dipole again think about antennas uh wavelengths that don't go together so think about the commercial designs 80 40 20 15 those are pretty safe together 17 and 40 don't really go well together um so you generally don't see those two on the same uh piece of coax <clears throat> so yeah just be mindful of, of when you kind of combine bands that you do so in a way that you're not going to come up like, I don't understand why this isn't working. (laughs) 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 Um, But yeah, yeah. Uh, Intended design is all about having fun and uh, experimenting and not being right all the time. Cause uh, you know, I got all the books here, but I still just like, yeah, I'll try it. (laughs) Oh, this guy said it would work with 51 and a half feet. I'll go ahead and try 51 and a half feet. I mean, I have an analyzer and, you know, worst case, uh, you just throw a tuner at it and see if the tuner will swallow it all. <laughs> <laughs> so and then you um, see if it can actually get a signal out. <laughs> but basically, if you have if you have some wire, like pretty much any gauge wire, some insulators, uh, some coax ladder line, and probably well, fifty ohm coax, and, and in some cases seventy five ohm coax, because uh, that will actually work for some G five RVs. Um, you know, some basic tools like wire cutters and a pair of gloves. Um, you can make most of the antennas we've talked about. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, exactly. And Paul's just mentioning an inverted L, which is a uh, which is another design. I didn't really mention that. Um, uh, well, I kind of didn't mention trapped dipoles, but same kind of thing. You can make an inverted L with traps, and those work really well. As so, an inverted L is basically when you take a vertical and you you say oh well, i can't go up more than 30 feet but i have a 120 foot antenna so you take 30 feet up and then you go you know 90 feet out <laughs> <laughs> so it's a little combination so right now my uh, nfed half wave is vertical for about 20 feet and then it goes straight out 
um, for the rest. So it's technically an inverted L. That's kind of how you set it up. You know, that's kind of like a, a dipole that uh, inverted V when they call it an inverted V because it's like the shape. So, and yeah, uh, an inverted L is basically the same thing. It's just basically a shape of the antenna. It's basically still the same thing. It's a vertical um, with the top flattened out, but it's not flattened out in a way that it would make it a capacitance hat. So that's, that's the one difference. Well, maybe when we talk about this further, we can talk about things like <laughs> capacitance hats and, and whatnot. Um, Cause yeah. like, um, you know, like my, my dipole has <laughs> traps and mine's a commercial antenna, but you can make your own trap because it's basically just a wire wound inductor. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's plenty of plans of making those with just coax. You can make your own um, traps with coax. And you can buy traps too. You can buy pre-made traps, so you can build your own antenna. I have a, I have that that MFJ twenty forty dipole with traps, and that works pretty well. I mean, there's nothing nothing really wrong with it. Although some people say, you know, <laughs> so if you if you were going to put together your ideal like limited space, low budget, multi band HF antenna that you were going to build yourself, what design would you use? Like if I had no budget at all, I would go with what I have, the unfit halfway with the unun to go the all banded route, run 30, 40 watts and call it good. We're at the bottom of the cycle now. And if I can work 600 contacts with uh, 25 watts, <laughs> I think you'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> and if you have a little more space for wire, put the 124 foot wire up. Um, and if you can get uh, that vertical portion more vertical, you know, mine's kind of bent across a uh, uh, cheap little uh, cane pole, basically. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, for, yeah, the antenna, well, it's, the ballon was most expensive. So, But if you build your own ballon, which I could, you could build your own for probably uh, 20 bucks. And, I, think, I think you can buy a nine to one unun for about 20 bucks. Yeah. So there you go. So 20 bucks plus, you know, 20 bucks an extra part. So $40, you could have an, you know, an infed halfway with nine, nine to one and, you know, be pretty much all banded HF. And I think, I think they work pretty well. They are, they are, they can get a little bit noisy. Um, but I'm not having bad luck with it. So I can't really complain. I like it better than the G5 RV only because it's smaller. Meaning, I mean, the, the footprint is, is much easier to manage because I can have most of it vertical and, you know, it only goes out, I think only like 20 foot away. So, um, so yeah, how do foot, you, how do you do that part without making a capacitance hat? Is it a slow bend? Is it a 90 degree angle or how do you, oh, <laughs> uh, it could be 90 degrees. A capacitance hat has to be a, sh a certain length <laughs> to become okay. a capacitance hat. So there's there's some mathematics that kind of make that occur where it doesn't become electrically part of the antenna, but actually creates sort of a, yeah, sort of that capacitance. Um, yes, it's slightly different. It's slightly different. So like that's like an inverted L. Like you could just bend that puppy and uh, it, it'll mess up the pattern a little bit, but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at this point, we're not talking about patterns. We're not we're not a beam. We're not getting the front to back ratio. We're not doing all the other stuff. You know, if you just want it to work, it will work. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, I, I mean. And obviously I'm, on a budget, you're not trying to get the most efficient multiband radiator antenna ever or anything like that. You're just trying to get it oh, absolutely to not. Yeah. SWR three to one across the board so your tuner can make it work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If your tuner can eat it and that's that's all you need to need to worry about. Yeah. So I like that. I like that one way better than the G5 RV just because the G5 RV takes more more space. 
And uh, I mean, this you could lay out flat. So like, that's a nice part about this antenna design. It's like it is a long wire antenna. So you can run it from one point to the other. Or you can run it as a vertical with uh, like an inverted L. You can even run it like uh, like an inverted V and only fed at the bottom, you know. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's very flexible in, in deployment. And uh, obviously, it'll be very flexible in, a, in uh, its experience because <laughs> it, <laughs> it may or may not work well for you. Um, but I've been pretty happy with it. I've used that design uh, several times here at this house. And I, I've, you know, I've used it more than anything else. Although I really like my butternut. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's basically uh, just a yeah, multi-banded vertical. Uh, no traps, but has like uh, all those matching coils and stuff like that. Right, which you do have to ma- manipulate if you want them to be, or if you know uh, frequencies that you use <clears throat> consistently, you would probably want to center yeah. those on whatever you do. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So anytime you have those kind of antennas, you know, you do have to kind of tweak them a little bit, and those become more inefficient at those areas because they become harder to tune. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. So yeah, cool. Yeah, that's 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 good. <laughs> I I would definitely yeah say that if I were to pick one. That would be that would be the easiest one because you can use it anywhere. And like I say, I can I put mine in my backpack, so I can take it with my little Elecraft KX1 and uh, a battery, and I'm off to the races. I don't need anything else. All right, very cool. Well, I think that's a pretty good introduction to some uh, simple homebrew HF antennas that you can do yourself if you so desire. Want to be a little bit uh, technical and uh, crafty with the craft um so with that i mean like i said we'll probably follow up with some other different antenna topics because antenna is a huge part of the hobby i mean it's certainly what makes or breaks a contact sometimes for sure yeah yeah i would love to hear like specifically if we're going to talk about specific topics i would love to hear about uh portable satellite work like antennas used for that like let that be the arrow homemade stuff or you know what works best for the most bang for the buck when you're doing that kind of stuff that would be a great great deep dive topic and i'm sure we have somebody in our group (laughs) that can do that um soda antennas you know doing summits on the air i probably have a lead on somebody that can give us some information on that um because that's a very specific thing and that's all about size <laughs> and we're size certainly and, willing to take suggestions on topics as well so if there's something absolutely. about antennas you'd like to hear about you know we would definitely encourage you to send us that information and we will definitely try and talk about it but with that we should probably wrap this up i think this is going to be a kind of a long one <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay and we want to uh, mention all the folks who are in the chat room here before we wrap up real quick we had Don, KB2YSI, Ted, WA0EIR, Paul, K5WMA, Tom, N4HAI, and Steve, KA7HVT. So I thank them for tuning into the show live. And before we run off, we did have one bit of feedback from uh, right after Christmas from Jonas, who said, who's telling us, exhorting us to keep up the good work and that he really enjoyed hearing everyone on the roundtable. And he thinks we definitely should do more of those when appropriate. So. If everybody likes the roundtable format, we might have to do a couple more of those through the year or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I think that's it. That's uh, simple homebrew antennas for HF in a nutshell, I guess. <laughs> uh, and with that, we will wrap up this episode, uh, number 319 of Linux in the Hamshack, the very first of 2020, but by far not the last. <laughs> of course not. 
so with that, everyone have a good week, and we'll catch you for the next time around. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. For listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8 pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at urlbctsinfo LHS Live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute link on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or hand Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. Shack and the Linux in the Hamshack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.